Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're going to have a fantastic uh, hour one coming up with Jeff Verdorn. He's joining me for part two of the debate on election. And I received a lot of emails and comments from listeners. And I think you were very intrigued. And I think it's going to be exciting to go back and do part two. We have a lot of extra uh, information that we didn't get to in in the first hour. So we're going to we're going to talk about that. We're going to go back and do a little bit of review, and then we're going to forge right ahead. So uh, I know there could be questions, and, and you can certainly text them to me, 877-933-2484. We're going to try to cover a lot of material today, so uh, get out your Bibles and your notebooks and a nice sharp pencil or pen, and we'll get started. Let me take 60 seconds and then bring on Jeff. The new year is a great time to start fresh, but also to end well. Hi, Neil Stavem, manager of Faith Radio, with a word to those of you who have made a pledge to support this ministry. Now, if you're able to fulfill that pledge as the new year begins, it allows us to operate more effectively in the months ahead. Each year, about one in five people who pledge are unable to fulfill for a variety of reasons. And we understand that changes happen, so know that we're grateful to have you listening and want you to be blessed by our programming. But if you are someone who can turn that pledge into a gift, it becomes an important step in meeting our budget obligations. And now is a strategic time to fulfill that commitment. Your gift this month helps position us for a strong year ahead. So thank you for fulfilling your support to Faith Radio. Online at MyFaithRadio.com or on the phone at 877-933-2484. We're grateful that you're standing with us and God bless you in the new year ahead. Welcome to the show. I'm awfully glad to be welcoming back Jeff Redorn, my friend, my uh, mentor, one of my favorite Bible teachers. He's a regular on the show. And uh, last week we started the discussion on uh, election, and we are going to continue the discussion today. So, Jeff, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bill. And awfully uh, excited about part two. I'm looking forward to this. Did you get a few emails and comments from last week? I know that... This is, uh, people have strong opinions about this topic. They sure do. And to be honest, most of the, the remarks I got were very positive. So way Good. to go. I mean, uh, I love when we, we tell biblical truth and, and hopefully, um, people are, are still learning as we all are students of God's word from now until the day we take our last breath. Absolutely. And it's a, it really is a big question, and it's a question that's been going on for about 500 years. Um, so I, I understand the debate. I understand that uh, good people can differ on how we view some of these passages. And, and so I thought I, you just mentioned, I thought we'd just review a little bit, 
um, from last week, some of the things that we discussed kind of to set the, the framework for what we're going to talk about today. Is that okay? That'd be wonderful. Let's, uh, let's start with a little review. Well, we, we talked last week about kind of this core question, and really the core question, does God choose some to be saved? Uh, Calvinistic salvation. That's would be, you know, Calvinistic understanding that God chooses some to be saved and doesn't choose others to be saved. Or does God offer salvation to all, to whosoever, and that whoever believes in him will be saved? Um, we were talking about Ephesians 1, and you, I think, are, I mentioned that you're memorizing Ephesians 1. And sure enough, we look at Ephesians 1, and we see some Calvinistic language, if you will, in Ephesians 1, we see this word chosen, uh, which is really the Greek, uh, in most cases, where we see this word chosen, it's the Greek word eklektos, where we get the the word the elect or elected. And so we see this word chosen. We also see this word predestined or predestination. And so those are the two key kind of words that we want to look at in detail today. But I look at Ephesians 1, and as you go through Ephesians 1, you see all of these promises or all of these wonderful uh, things that happen when someone is saved. So they're made holy and blameless. They're redeemed. They're forgiven. They're chosen. And by the way, the chosen in, in verse 5 actually means to, to be their God's called out ones, his called out ones. So we've been called out of the world. We've been included in Christ. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But I think all of those things come to a person, when you get to uh, verse 13, I think it makes it all clear, and I think it's the key to understanding Ephesians 1. Verse 13 starts, and you also were included in Christ, meaning you were saved, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the day of Christ Jesus. So do you see the pattern there mm-hmm. in Ephesians 1? You People hear the message, the gospel, they believe it, and once they believe it, they're saved. So really, we spent quite a bit of time last week talking about this key difference. Calvinism believes that you're actually regenerated in order so that you can believe I believe the Bible teaches that you believe in order to be regenerated or saved. So that key pattern, in fact, in Scripture, that pattern, that biblical pattern, over and over again, we see people preach the gospel, people hear the gospel, they either believe it or not believe it, and for those who do believe it, they are saved. So we have passages like Romans 10 where it says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have not heard? Or in Romans later in Romans 10, it says, because faith comes through hearing the message. Uh, Paul asked the Galatians in, in chapter 3, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? So I think over and over again, Scripture uh, describes this pattern of salvation, where the gospel is preached, people hear it, they either believe it or not, and those that do believe are saved. And I think it's that simple. I was just opening up to Romans ten seventeen because that's a another memory verse. Faith comes from hearing and, and hearing through the word of Christ. So again, once you start studying and doing a deeper dive on this subject, you start seeing verses all over the place, don't you? 
You do. And I have, um, actually, when I teach this, I draw up on the board, preach, and then a big arrow, hear, and then a big arrow, believe, and then actually I, I do a, a diamond-shaped symbol in flowchart. I'm an ex-consultant, ex-system consultant. So that's, in flowcharting language, that's a decision point, right? That's nothing to if be proud of. yes, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> if yes, you're saved. If no, you perish. Mm -hmm. So that believe is that decision point. And then under saved, then I list all the things that happen the moment that you're saved, uh, redeemed, included with Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit, forgiven, given eternal life, all of those things that happen the moment that you're saved. Um, in Calvinism, think about this. We talked last week that do men have the ability to believe the gospel? And Calvinists, I've heard this a hundred times, are dead in their trespasses and sins, and therefore dead people cannot believe anything. They have an inability to believe the gospel. But when you think about it, this is, this is just kind of uh, silly. Lost people believe all kinds of things, right? There are monotheists. Lost people who, who are polytheists. There are lost people who are atheists. There are lost people who believe that they are gods, right? The divine within. Lost people believe all kinds of different things. Um, and the Bible actually says and calls people to believe. So you see in, in Acts 16, we talked about Acts 16, this great question that Jaylor asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul answers, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Um, in fact, God commands people to believe, right? First John 3 says, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his one and only Son. So not only does God call people to believe, he commands people to believe, and it would be awfully silly to command a world to believe in something that they had an inability to believe. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, but it just means we don't have eternal life. We don't have the life that God offers through faith in his son. Mm -hmm. And then the, this brings up that next big difference, that Calvinism says that God does not offer salvation to everyone. He only picks some to be saved. And I think the Bible says that he offers it to everyone. This is God's heart. I love that passage, 2 Peter 3, 9. It's so big because it describes God's heart towards the world, that he wishes none to perish, but all to come to repentance. First um, Timothy two says he wants all men to be saved. That's God's heart. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, when I look at some of these uh, passages, and you know, I was even looking in my quiet time this morning in Matthew fifteen, uh, where it says, "Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots." Um, leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. So that was not crystal clear to Peter, but uh, there is this idea that we can't want him, although we can make choices to believe or not to believe, we can't want him unless he opens that door for us. Yeah, so this is where the the concept of that no one come to Romans 3 says no one uh, comes to the Father. No one seeks Him. I think is what it says, and um, and then in John it says, "And no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him first. But then the question is, this the kind of the core question difference between Calvinism, what I think the Bible teaches, is does He then only call some, or does He actually call all? Well, later on in John, in John twelve, He says. 
he says exactly, he answers this question. Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. I think that if God just left the world and didn't draw anybody, I think in a way, I, I don't want to say Calvinism is right, but in a way, that understanding that no one would seek God. But fortunately, thankfully, he doesn't leave the world in that state. He loves the world so much. So last week we talked about how God draws men to himself. Well, Romans 1 says he all creation declares his glory, so that men are without excuse. He's drawing mankind to himself. Uh, Romans 2 says he writes the righteous requirements of the law on the heart. He's drawing men to himself. He sends the Holy Spirit out into the world. He's drawing men to himself. He commands the church to go and preach the gospel. He's drawing all men to himself. So the question is not that God doesn't draw. The question is whether he just draws some or whether he draws all. And I believe the picture from Scripture is that he draws all to himself, and whosoever believes will be saved. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff Dorn's my guest. We're talking about uh, election today, and if you've got a question, let us know what it is. We've got a lot of material we're going to go through. We'll certainly have time for questions towards the end, but Send your question now, text form to 877-933-2484, Be right back. show. Jeff Redorn's my guest. I just got a great email from a listener named Lori who said um, both viewpoints are valid defending um, uh, talking about John Piper's book, Does God Desire All to Be Saved? So, we're going to get our guest back on. Uh, that started this whole discussion, Pastor John Sampson, so let's uh, look forward to that as well. Jeff, let's get back to uh, the discussion at hand. Well, hi, Bill. I I think back to uh, a friend gave me a T-shirt, a friend of mine who is a Calvinist, by the way. So, yes, you can have, you know, differences of opinions and still have fellowship with other believers who think differently than you do. But he gave me this T-shirt, and I loved it. It's it's on the front of the T-shirt. It says, I chose this T-shirt. And on the back of the T-shirt, it said, this T-shirt chose me. (laughs) And uh, so so let's talk about – let's get into a little bit about what is choosing – I mean, choosing is biblical. We see it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We see election in the Bible. We see predestination in the Bible. I just have a different understanding of what those things mean than what Calvinism teaches. Mm-hmm. So let's look in the Bible at all the places that God does choose. Um, Ephesians 1, for example, he chose believers to be holy and blameless. So what else does God choose throughout Scripture? We actually, he actually does a lot of choosing throughout the the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. So first, he chose Abram, right? God chose Abram of Ur. He didn't choose, you know, Chin from China or Rodriguez from Spain or, you know, whatever. He He chose Abram of Ur. And why did he choose Abram of Ur? Well, I don't know. He was sovereignly it was God's choice. He chose Abraham. That was his choice. And he did it sovereignly. Mm-hmm. But what was Abraham chosen for? 
It says in Nehemiah, the Lord God chose Abraham and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. For what? Genesis 12 says, to be the father of many nations and that all nations would be blessed through him. That's what Abraham was chosen for, to be the father of many nations and have the line of the Messiah come from him. He wasn't chosen unto salvation because we know how Abraham was saved. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was saved by faith. He mm -hmm. wasn't saved by his election or his being chosen. He was chosen for a purpose. He was saved by faith. The same goes for Jacob. Uh, Calvinists love to talk about in Romans 9 where it says, Jacob he loved, Esau he hated. And, and, and they conclude that, well, Jacob was saved because he was chosen by God, and Esau was not saved because he was not chosen by God. And it actually, Scripture doesn't tell us uh, about the fate of Esau, whether he was saved or not. In fact, uh, Hebrews 11 says that both were blessed by their father. Um, so it makes no determination about whether Esau was saved, but it's not unto salvation that Jacob was saved. Jacob was saved to become Israel. Uh, Genesis 25 tells us that the choice between Jacob and Esau was the choice of two nations— Two nations are in your womb, Genesis 25 says. So God chose Jacob and the descendants of Jacob to be his chosen people and not Esau and the descendants of Esau. Why? I don't know. He chose Jacob, maybe because he knew Jacob was going to have 12 sons or something, and there was going to be 12 tribes of Israel and the whole plan that, that God was putting forth. So he chose, absolutely chose Jacob, but he chose him to be Israel, not unto salvation, which then brings us to Israel. God says that he chose Israel, but listen, O Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. Over and over again, God says that he has chose the nation of Israel. But what did he choose Israel for? Did he choose Israel for salvation? Were they elected unto salvation? Well, that would mean that everybody who is a Jew would be saved, but we know that salvation comes by faith, so clearly not. So what were they chosen for? Well, God tells us. Deuteronomy, for example, says that they were chosen to be a people separated out from the world, holy to God. They were also entrusted with the very words of God. So they were chosen to be the bearers of God's word, to bring it into the world. And of course, Israel was chosen to be the nation who would eventually bring forth the Messiah. So Israel is absolutely chosen, but not unto salvation. Moses is chosen in the Bible. Uh, Exodus, uh, in the beginning of Exodus, it says that God chose Moses. Well, what was God, what did, what was Moses chosen for? He was chosen to bring God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He chose David. David, David was chosen to be king over Israel. He chose Solomon. Solomon, of all my sons, the Lord says, he has given many. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And then, of course, he was chosen to build the temple unto God because David's uh, sin. And then another one, he chose Jesus. Scripture says that he chose Jesus. So do you see how God chooses lots of people for lots of things? Well, what did he choose Jesus for? Jesus is called, here is my servant whom I have chosen. He is the Christ of God, the chosen one of God, electos, the elect of God. So clearly Jesus is chosen. But is Jesus chosen 
unto salvation. And I would argue that salvation is offered through Jesus. Jesus didn't have to be saved. It's offered through Jesus. So what is he chosen for? Well, he was chosen to be a ransom, to be uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was chosen to free the captives and give sight to the blind, to give life, to do the will of the Father, to heal many, to bind the brokenhearted, to testify the truth, to destroy the works of Satan, to take away sin. He was chosen to taste death for everyone, it says in Hebrews 9. So Jesus was chosen, the chosen one of God, to do all of those things, but not, once again, unto salvation. So the, the, one of the favorites, Calvinists love to use uh, the 12 disciples, for example. In John 6, is Jesus answers them, have I not chosen you, the 12? So sure enough, the 12 disciples, the original 12 disciples, are chosen by God. So are they chosen or elected unto salvation or unto discipleship? Mm -hmm. Well, if you believe, as Calvinism says, that they were chosen unto salvation, well, then what about Judas? Was Judas saved? Uh, I think Scripture calling him the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, um, you know, who goes and kills him. I don't think Judas was saved, clearly. But Judas was chosen by God. So clearly being chosen is not unto salvation. We get salvation through faith, through believing mm -hmm. in God. So G Judas was chosen, but he was not saved. So do you see that? Oh, I, biblical I, yeah, clearly. I Choosing just is biblical, but it's not unto salvation. Yeah, I just had a, a listener remark come in from area code 701, which is one of the smarter area codes in the listening community. <laughs> and the remark is all Hebrew descendants of Jacob are God's chosen people, but each individual can choose to receive or reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They, the salvation came to the Jews first, but they had to believe it in order to be saved. And then it came to the Gentiles and the same thing. We have to believe it in order to be saved. But God's not done yet. He chose Paul. Saul, right? So mm -hmm. we have the road to Damascus incident where, uh, once again, this is kind of a favored uh, uh, Calvinistic kind of story where, see, Paul, Saul was just walking along, minding his own business, and zap, he's elected into the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's actually not what Scripture says. It says that that's what happened, that he was blinded by this great light, and he hears the voice and so on. He describes this. This is described, by the way, in Acts 9, and then he recounts the story in Acts 22 and also in, um, in Acts 26. But what is he chosen for? And it says in Acts 9 that he was to be God's chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. So Paul was chosen to be the apostle, uh, I believe Paul was the apostle, the replacement, by the way, to Judas. Uh, I don't think it was Matthias. They casted lots for Matthias's name, but you never hear from Matthias again. Mm -hmm. I think God selected the next replacement apostle, and that was Paul, who wrote the rest of almost yeah. the rest of the New Testament. We hear about him a lot. Okay, Jeff, uh, we're going to have to take a hard break. Uh, oh, so okay. we'll be back in three minutes. Jeff Verdorn's my guest. Let us know if you've got a question or anything you'd like clarification on 877-933-2484. Be right back. 6.30 on Faith Radio. 
Welcome back to the show. Jeff Verdorn is my guest today. We're doing part two of our study on election. And so far, I'm loving it. I don't know about you, but I'm loving it. All right, Jeff. Let's you guys say, have some of the best bumper music why, thank in you. all of radio. Why, you know, thank you, thank you. It's great. I happen to pick. So we were talking. Or did Rebecca? No, I. Well, I pick the music, and she decides what when they'll play. I got you. Yeah, perfect. I love it. I love the intro. Your first song is just so happy. It just every time I I hear you coming on the air, oh, I get good. happy. So <laughs> good. So we were talking about Paul and his being chosen. And he was chosen by God on that day, on that road to Damascus. God picked this guy, Saul, this Pharisee, who was persecuting the church, right? Mm -hmm. And said, I'm going to pick this guy to be what? To be my chosen instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles. So Paul was clearly chosen, but his salvation came by faith. In fact, in Acts 26, when he's describing this, he's describing the words of Jesus that he heard from heaven. And he said, um, he says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, who are saved, made holy by faith in me. So clearly, even at the moment that Paul is called, Jesus is reminding us that salvation comes through faith, not by election. Salvation is always by faith. Um, so then we take, let's take this now, this understanding of God choosing, and look at the church, because clearly the church is chosen. Uh, he calls us that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. First Peter says that we are God's elect or God's chosen ones. We are a chosen people, holy to him, First Peter says. So this word chosen, like we mentioned, eclectos, which means the elect, clearly we are chosen. And it means to be made holy, to be set apart, to be different. In fact, the word Eclectos has this uh, implied meaning that we are different from everything else, that we've been set apart for a special use by God. Well, that's exactly what the church is. We are his chosen ones. We are his elect called out of this world to be holy and different in this world. We are his, and I. every time I read the word chosen, I like to read the phrase, his called out ones. We are his called out ones, and we've been called out of this world to be light in this world, to, be, to preach the gospel in this world, to be separated from this world, to be Christ ambassadors in this world. That's what it means to be chosen. We're saved by faith, but we are called out, we are chosen to be holy and blameless in this world, to be light, to preach the gospel. That's what we're set apart for. Hmm. I love it. Well, there's this other tough word. Uh, so that's kind of the chosen, the idea of being chosen. Well, let's look at this other kind of Calvinistic word, and that word is predestined. Now, we, we talked about this briefly last week, but we didn't get to the details. So I wanted to get to some of the details of what and who is predestined for what, because that's the question. Because the Greek for predestined means that it's preordained. I mean, the, the word is the word. That's what it means. If something is guaranteed to happen, 
we would say that we're predestined for it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what that Greek word means. So let's see what we're predestined for. Let's let's start, we'll come back to Ephesians 1, but I want to start in Romans 8, because this word predestined only occurs twice in Scripture. It's if in Ephesians 1, and then also in Ephesians 8. So let's look, we, we already read the Ephesians 1 one, we'll come back to it. I want to start with the, Ephesians, the Romans 8 one. It says this in, in Romans 8, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son. So notice who is predestined for what. It's some, those who God foreknew, which is believers in context here, are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, one of the things that awaits every single believer in Christ Jesus is the glorification of their body, the resurrection. The resurrection, we will be made like Christ in every way. It says in Philippians 3, it says it this way, that him who by his power is enabled to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. 1 John 3 says that we will shall be made like him, shall, for shall, we shall see him. And Colossians 3 says it this way, that you will also appear with him in glory. So every believer in Christ will be glorified one day. In fact, the resurrection day, uh, do you know what the resurrection day for the for believers is the rapture. The rapture of the church on that day is, that is our resurrection day. So 2 Corinthians 4 says that because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. 1 Corinthians 15, which talks about the rapture, is really all about this resurrection of the body. What's sown imperishable will be raised—I'm sorry, what's sown perishable will be raised imperishable, um, and we will receive a glorified body just like Christ. We will be—Romans 8 language here—conformed to the image of his Son. We will receive a glorified body. So Romans 8, it's not that some are predestined— for salvation, as Calvinism teaches, it's that all believers are predestined for glorification, to be conformed to the image of his Son. That is what every believer is predestined for. Every believer will receive a glorified body, and that's what Romans 8 is saying. Not that some are predestined to salvation, but that all believers are predestined for glorification. You see that? See mm. that difference? Mm -hmm. Big difference. So now we can go to Ephesians 1, because it's also mentioned there. Um, it's it's uh, Let's look at Ephesians 1.11. It says, in him we were also chosen. And so um, do I want to go here or not? Sure, we'll mention it. Okay, so this word chosen, by the way, in at, at this point in Ephesians 1.11 is actually a different word. Um, if you happen to have an NIV Bible and are following along with an NIV, you'll see a little text note there where it says chosen, and it says, or made heirs, made heirs, right? So we're made, we're given an inheritance. So in him, we were also made heirs, right? So that, how do, how are we made heirs? Through faith. So it's not that we're being chosen unto salvation, it's that we were made heirs having believed, 
verse 13. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of those places where the word chosen actually isn't the word eclectos or a variant of eclectos. It's actually a different Greek word. But that's that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have taken that little sidebar there. But ha you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan. So here, it's that we as believers are predestined according to God's plan of salvation, right, mm -hmm. to be made heirs. Well, that's everything in Ephesians 1 is all about the things that we are made having believed. So remember, verse 13 is the anchor to all of Ephesians 1's. Having, you also were included with Christ, you were saved, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with the Holy Spirit, you were made an heir, you were redeemed, you were forgiven. All the things that come with salvation happens the moment you believe, according to God's plan of salvation. That is his plan, that whosoever believed will be saved. Remember our flowchart? Mm -hmm. Whoever chooses yes to this believe thing, God will save them. Um, so that's predestined, and it's also mentioned in, in verse 5, in Ephesians 1, verse 5, in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons. So once again, how do we receive sonship? Through election, as Calvinists say, in other words, are some predestined to be saved, or are those who believe predestined to be adopted as sons? Well, we know Scripture declares elsewhere how we become children of God. First, um, John 1.12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, the flow chart, the decision point, do mm -hmm. you believe or do you not believe? And if you believe, he gives them the right to be called children of God. That's how we become adopted as sons. That's how we become heirs. That's how we become children of God, mm -hmm. through faith. All right, Jeff, I've heard a couple of things. Um, let's touch on Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Many are called, few are chosen. How do you want to handle that? Yeah, um, there are definitely uh, many passages in Scripture that, um, that are kind of used by the Calvinists to say, look, there are some that are saved, and others not saved. Um, so the the many are called, few are chosen. How I see that is simply broad is the gate that leads to destruction and narrows the road that leads to eternal life. Mm -hmm. So once again, we know this truth. We know this to be true, that some are going to believe and be saved, and some are not going to believe and be saved. In fact, Scripture says that broad is the road to destruction, and many go through it. So most people are going to hear this gospel not believe it, and therefore not be saved. Mm -hmm. um, so, But we just went through this long list of being chosen, and we know what chosen is unto. Chosen is unto service. Predestined is unto those things that are promised to believers. Um, so look, it's to me, Hebrews 4 is another one of these very strong passages. Why? This gets to another kind of one of these core questions of Calvinists. Why do people not—why aren't people saved? Why are some people saved and others not saved? Calvinism says that those who are saved are elected by God. They're chosen for God by God. They're picked out of this world by God. 
So by definition, by definition, whose fault is it that most of mankind go through the broad gate to destruction? And I would argue it's God's fault. In Calvinism, the reason why most of mankind are not saved is God's fault. And I think Scripture declares whose fault it actually is that most go through the broad gate of destruction, and that is man's fault. They perish because they love, refuse to love the truth and thus be saved. Scripture says that it's not man's fault that most don't go through the narrow gate to eternal life. It's, 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 not, it's not God's fault. It's man's fault that they go through the broad gate to destruction. Um, Jesus himself said, how I've longed to gather you, uh, yet you refused to come to me to have life. Um, over and over in Scripture, this is the, 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 the admonition of, of God that says, if you believe, you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you're going to, be, you're going to perish. So John 3.18 says, for example, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. John 3.36 says, whoever rejects the Son will not see, see life. You refuse to come to me to have life. Remember Thomas? Thomas wouldn't believe and, uh, because he hadn't seen the resurrected Lord. And he finally, Jesus finally shows up. Uh, Thomas finally sees him. And remember Jesus's words to him? He says, put your hands here, Thomas, on my side and in my wrists, my hands, where the holes are. Stop doubting and believe. Now, if Calvinism was true, that, that admonition to Thomas to stop doubting and, and believe would be meaningless because it's basically, Thomas, you don't have anything that you can do to be saved. You just have to sit there and wait. It doesn't matter if you see me. It doesn't matter if you don't see me. It doesn't matter if you believe this is true or not true or anything else. You got to just wait there for God to elect you into the kingdom. But no, he says, you, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Mm -hmm. Jeff, let me take a little break. When we come back, more with Jeff Verdorn. Thank you for your questions. They're coming in fast and furious. We'll try to get as many of those as we can when we return. the show. I'm so glad to have Jeff Redorn on the program today. We're talking about election. Not a uh, easy subject to navigate through, but Jeff, you're doing a fantastic job. And I've got a lot of questions and comments that have come in, and I've done my very best to forward them to you during the break. So hopefully you've got mm -hmm. a chance to look over some of them. Yeah, so one of them uh, says that, well, he's just an Arminianist then, and it's like, it's interesting because, like I mentioned earlier, this debate's been going on for 500 years, and it's it's set up, it's structured as Calvinism versus Arminianism. Well, guess what? I'm not an Arminian either. I think that, that both of these ideas, we've been battling these two ideas for 500 years. I actually think they're both uh, incorrect, not uh, either one completely biblical. I think there's a third way in the middle, 
and that is biblical salvation. That's neither Calvinistic nor Arminian. So I don't think Cal- in Calvinism, I don't think Calvinism is true. I don't think that that God picks some to be saved. I think man does have free will, and we can talk about that in a minute. Um, I think Scripture is clear that man has a will. Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but your will will be done. It's Clearly, man has a will. Um, in fact, that's that's the problem. Not only do we have a will, we use it. <laughs> that's one of the problems of mankind is we yeah. have a will and we, and we use it. <laughs> we so God it, yeah. offers salvation. That's right. We are exercising it all too often, as, especially as believers. Uh, we should be submitting that will um, to God. But So I believe in free will, that, that, that God offers this, and man needs to choose. They need to choose life. That's what, that's what Joshua says. Remember, he says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, Moses said as, as, at the end of this speech in Deuteronomy, he says, therefore, choose life. I set before you today good and evil, uh, life and good, death and evil, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Well, it'd be silly if man didn't have a will. For God to say, choose one of these. Elijah says to choose. That was the whole point of the Garden of Eden. The whole point of the Garden of Eden was this command of God to Adam and it was to not to eat, and they chose to eat using their free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being neither, being neither of them, I think there's a biblical view of salvation that is neither of them. I think it's simple that all men are lost in need of salvation, that God loves all people and wishes none to perish. So he sent Jesus into the world to die for the sins of all men. We talked about this last week, that Christ's work on the cross wasn't limited to some. I believe that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and the world means the world. And he offers that salvation to all, to whosoever, and promises that whoever believes he will save because faith comes from hearing, hearing what? Hearing the gospel, and that people who aren't saved perish because they refuse to love the truth and thus be saved. And then the last component is, and once you're saved, I believe you are saved for all of eternity. He sends you the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever. The assurance of salvation that a believer has, that we've talked about on your show many times in the past, uh, I'm a firm believer in the assurance of salvation, so you can see I'm I'm neither actually neither Calvinistic or Arminian, um, but I understand that uh, that uh, you know many have grown up in certain churches or certain denominations or certain backgrounds, and uh, have strong beliefs one way or another. Uh, at, actually, one of the other common understandings is that that instead of both being false, some say that both are true. Um, so many will teach that, well, I don't think I can reconcile these two concepts. Um, so maybe both are true. Maybe it's both that God chooses us and that I have free will to choose. And so we see uh, on the T-shirt, this shirt chose me, I chose this shirt. Some will teach it this way, that the door to heaven has on the front of it saved by faith, but on the back side of it chosen before the foundation of the world, mm-hmm. right? Jeff, I just get- think— yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Aren't we going to I'm be sorry. following our nature, and, and and aren't we dead in our sin unless God intervenes? So, the, like we talked about before, are we dead in our sins? Yes. We do not have life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. But being dead does not equate to, as Calvinists will teach, 
that we have an inability to believe. You see that? So God offers salvation, and whosoever believes will be saved. So I just think it's simple. God offers this salvation. We do have an ability to believe it or not. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. So Thomas clearly had an had the ability to believe that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, and so do we. So some teach that that both of these two conflicting ideas, the one of kind of this Calvinist election and two of free will of, of man, surely those are both true, and that somehow we just don't understand or can't reconcile these two concepts in our brain. But I would argue that two contradictory truths can never both be true. I argue that it cannot be both true that God elects some and also be true, but he offers it to everyone and whosoever believes is saved. Those are two contradictory views of salvation. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can't have both God's election, as Calvinists teach it, and free will that men are free to believe or not to believe the gospel. And for example, Hebrews 4 says, I, I love this, and the message that they heard was useless to them because they did not combine it with faith. Hmm. So I think that's the clear picture. I don't think they can both be true. So I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Arminianist. I don't believe that both are true. I think there's actually a different path, a, a view of biblical salvation that's just so simple that he loves everyone. He died for everyone, and he offers salvation to whosoever believes. And to those who believe, he will save. One of your other questions said, well, if we're it's a, if it's up to us to believe and be saved, well, then we have our own hand in salvation, right? And so that's an often an argument you get. But once again, salvation is totally of God. No, last week we talked about this. Remember, no one can forgive themselves. No one can give themselves eternal life. No one conceal themselves with the Holy Spirit. This is all God's work. But God promises to do those works in whom? Those who believe. And in fact, Romans makes it clear, I think it's Romans 4, says that to those who trust God and, um, um, and not, uh, how does it go? To those who work not, but believe their faith is credited as righteousness. So those who want to say that if we have to believe in order to initiate the salvation process of God, if you will, that we have a hand in our own salvation, they miss the point. Faith is not a work. To those who work not but believe, their faith is credited as, as righteousness. So faith is not a work. We are just answering the call of God. I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens that door, which is a picture of believing in him, putting your faith in him, he will come in and eat with you and you with me. That's a picture of salvation. It's that simple. In fact, Luis Palau, one of the great evangelists at, of our day, every time he gets in front of a group, he always ends his talk about this gospel with that line from Revelation 11. I stand, I'm in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock whosoever should open the door will be saved. And that's God's call. Mm -hmm. Open the door to Christ, and he 
will save you. All right, Jeff. I cannot believe our hour is up already because there's so mm. many more questions I want to ask. I mean, a lot of people say this whole thing is just a mystery. We can't understand it all. Yeah, it's funny because Scripture actually declares that the mystery has been made known. <laughs> I agree with you. Mm-hmm. He says uh, it's it's sometimes when I talk to people who have grown up Calvinistic understanding and stuff when we're talking about it. Almost every conversation will end someplace like what you just said. Well, it's just a mystery. I guess we can't understand it. And it's like, well, if we can't understand God's salvation, isn't that like one of the core understandings of, of God is to understand his salvation? And in fact, over and over again in Scripture, Paul says that this mystery has now been made known to us. So um, I think God has made it known, and I think he's made it known clearly. And I think he uh, it's as simple as uh, opening the door when he calls. And thankfully, he's calling everyone. So if you have listeners out there today, know this to be true. If you don't believe in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior on this day, know that God is knocking at the, the door of your heart. He has made himself known through all of creation that it declares his glory. And he's even put this understanding of eternity in your heart, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3. Mm. And all you have to do is open that door to him, and he will come in and save you and give you this eternal life, which is such an incredible thing to have. How can we – I don't know how the world can walk yeah. through Jeff, without fa- having eternal life. Fascinating hour. Thank you so much for it. I've loved it. You're welcome. Ben. Yeah. Great Jeff, discussion. Jeff Redorn's been my guest. We're going to take a little break and have hour two just ahead. My friend David Wheaton's going to be with us. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.